Welcome to the commentary track for Batman Begins. The Warner Brothers logo is just showing up on the screen now, if you want to sync this with the movie. Uh, the DC logo is showing up. Uh, I think this DC logo inspired the later Marvel movie logo. It's very nice. Next we see the Batman logo. It's the Batman Dark Knight Trilogy logo, which you will see in each movie. Uh, it's my favorite Batman logo. Um, it's the one I want to get a, on a t-shirt most. Uh, it's very sharp lines. Uh, I like how the Batman logo appears in every movie. I think only Batman returns it didn't appear at the beginning of the movie but in the 89 movie in batman forever batman robin and this dark knight trilogy it appears uh, not sure if it's in batman versus superman don't remember it being in that movie Wayne's first encounter with bats and he wakes up from his nightmare into another nightmare I like how the story of him as an adult and the story as a, as a child are kind of um, running side by side um, keeps both stories relevant to each other and uh, how his childhood is directly having an impact on his adulthood and uh, trauma and uh, anger and uh, the vengeance that he feels so the two, two stories of him as a youth and as an adult run side by side very well like a lot of stories they could just do straight linear storytelling child to adult to Batman but here you're kind of seeing how his past is something that he carries with him and not something that it really he lets go of it affects all the decisions that he makes as an adult um, well, that's kind of Christopher Nolan's type of directing. Um, he likes to play around and not have linear storytelling. Uh, like even from Memento, which is uh, Guy Pierce is in that movie. Like that, that movie is the story is going backwards from the end of the movie to the beginning. The end is the beginning of the movie for the audience. And the beginning of the movie is the end of the movie for the audience. So uh, it, it's um, something that Christopher Nolan is becoming well known for. And like with each further movie, uh, with Inception and Interstellar, 
it's becoming stronger and stronger and I think he has like a time travel movie coming out this year or perhaps next year so obviously that will really play into his ranks uh, here he meets Liam Neeson uh, he's playing the card comics Descartes was the man who trained Bruce Wayne to be a great detective. He is from the comic book called Blind Justice which is written by Sam Hain. Sam Ham. Sorry if I got the name wrong. Uh, same guy who wrote the script for Batman 89. He created the character of Descartes for the comics. Uh, so he wrote the comic Blind Justice. Uh, I think he possibly he wanted this character in the 89 movie, but uh, he wasn't able to include it, so he kept the idea for Blind Justice. And Blind Justice is a good comic. I like the character of the card in the comic, but it's very different to the, the card in the movie for for some obvious reasons. But the card in the comic is is more of a a rogue, a rascal. And here the card is more of a life mentor for Bruce Wayne. He is also teaching him perhaps martial arts and um, his way of living, his, his moral views of the world. But uh, in the comic it's not really that, it's, it's more uh, he's a detective and um, him and Bruce Wayne are playing off each other like a game of, of wits. beautiful scenery. Uh, I guess this is supposed to be in Tibet. It's a beautiful shot. I guess it's on location. I'm not sure where on location this is, but it's fantastic. Wide shot. Compared to other Batman movies, this is the first one that feels real. Um, but with total respect to the previous Batman movies, um, they were clearly on sets. They all stayed inside Gotham City. But here you have uh, Batman, more worldly Batman different locations and I, I don't think this is CGI could be a miniature doesn't look like CGI I mean in 2005 I don't know if CGI is that good uh, I think like the miniatures that you see in movies that time um, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy and this Miniatures work perfectly and they look realistic. 
Horizon Hulk at all. Ken White on that Excellent actor from Japan. Uh, he appears in a lot of American movies now and some dramas. So I, I, I guess probably at the moment, like even for the past 10 years, he's still the most well-known modern Japanese actor out of Japan. Perfect for this role. And that is excellent choice for Raz Al Ghul. He's, he's a big name, so you, you think it's a good no one, okay? You've seen the movie, so I'm, I'm going to spoil you. So you don't expect him to die later in the movie. Because Ken Watanabe is quite a big name. But you, yeah. You don't think he's going to disappear so soon. A little bit of Descartes fighting Bruce Wayne. And then Bruce Wayne is showing different styles of martial art that he learned. Showing some animal forms, Shaolin Kung Fu. Um, the idea is that in, in the comics and the, the legends of the character that he traveled around the world and studied martial arts, which we see here to uh, some extent, but here he's already experienced in some fighting styles. In the Batman Begins novelization, he kind of starts his fighting skills on the shipping trading ships and he gets beaten up a lot but he's picking fight with people but the more he gets beaten up the more he learns until finally he's able to defeat the people that were beating him up on the trade ships um, that's his like kind of start like later in the, in the in this movie we'll, we'll see him leave Gotham City so it's from that point he, he starts even when he's on the shipping routes around the world he's fighting other crew members training to be a better fighter getting his ass kicked and then learning from that mistake and then just the experience becomes a better fighter and then obviously he has some practical training in Chinese martial arts and Japanese martial arts and uh, Descartes and Razal Ghul their like monastery seems to be based around ninjas so um, there's a focus on Japanese martial arts at least e even though um, the, the style for this movie is supposedly called Casey fighting style which is more of a it looks more like a kind of cage fighting style it's more like MMA uh, very direct and it's used to take down the opponent very quickly with whatever means the 
that you have at hand. And again, this is Gotham City. It looks like the real world. It's the first time in Batman movie that you can see like a real, real city. It's just surprising to think that the previous Batman movies before that are mostly sets. Uh, it doesn't mean they're bad movies, but you can notice the difference. I don't know why they chose to film only on sets in the previous Batman movies. Maybe it's cheaper. Um, it, I guess if they don't want to show the bat suits and they don't want people filming what they're doing, it's a lot easier to film on a set than have the like outdoor sets. There's a lot of sets in Batman Begins too, but like exterior shots are definitely not like um, wide shots of the city are definitely real with some CGI like the, the train CGI it's an addition to the city supposedly uh, it's filmed in Chicago and that is supposed to be Gotham City famous scene Bruce Wayne's parents are shot changing his life forever I've only seen this scene a few, few times it's quite harrowing to watch it's a solid tragic scene saw it before in 89 movie and Batman Forever did it as well a little bit it's a very powerful image nothing like um, some of the shots are taken from the comics Batman Year One like especially Bruce Wayne standing over his parents. It's Gary Oldman. He's playing it very low key. Um, Gary Oldman is an excellent actor. He's difficult to recognize in each movie that he does. He's so different the characters that he plays and here he's playing Jim Gordon who doesn't have an, a large role but I think um, he's not trying to take over the screen with his character he's just playing it um, a little bit reserved yeah. it's a fantastic cast Rutgard Hauer, Michael Caine. Uh, Rutger Hauer is from Blade Runner, most well known for Blade Runner. 
which Christopher Nolan is a big fan of. Before he made Batman Begins, he showed Blade Runner to the cast and crew. And after he showed the movie to them, he said, this is how we're going to make Batman Begins. I think Michael Caine, again, another fantastic actor. Um, like we have British cast, it's like a British movie director, Batman, Butler, uh, Jim Gordon, uh, all British actors. Michael Caine is one of my most favorite actors. Uh, I think. He is the probably best British actor. Uh, all the movies he's done, he uh, he stands out. Even in movies that are he's not great in, like um, Steven Seagal movie on Deadly Ground. He's still the best part of that movie even though he doesn't have much to do except being kind of like a mustache twirling villain but whatever movie it is uh, if it has Michael Caine in it I will watch it because I, I, I just love him so much definitely his best movie is probably Get Carter if you haven't seen Get Carter yeah, check it out the card teaching Bruce Wayne methods of ninja kind of makes sense it kind of really matches Batman's um, figure he works at night um, he uses kind of smoke bombs to disguise his disappearance and yeah here we see his methods are Ninja did it. I like that the gauntlets that they have during the sword fight are incorporated into the Batman suit later. Uh, it's another nice idea. Like again, everything in the movie feels very natural. It doesn't feel forced. So his training and um, fighting style, how he develops the suit, it has a very strong sense of realism to it. And some people maybe don't like that's that sense of realism but um, Batman is the one character that really lends himself to that because he is a man without superpowers he is a self-trained man he he made himself he built 
with his body to be almost as strong as a real superhero. Uh, he's the closest thing to a Superman, but um, he can't fly. He's not invincible. He can be broken as a man. telling his story. They both have similar stories. Bruce Wayne lost his parents. Card lost his wife. Um, which is why they're on similar paths, but paths going in different directions, as we see later. So originally, I, I heard, I had read that um, story was that a character called the Reaper would be the main villain in this movie because it was taken maybe maybe they thought that uh, characters are kind of similar maybe maybe someone heard the backstory of the card and associated it with the, the Reaper I don't know if they actually considered the Reaper as a villain. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Reaper was a villain from Batman Year 2 comic. Most of you know Batman Year 1, but Batman Year 2, he was against a character called the Reaper. And the Reaper was a masked vigilante who was pre-Batman in Gotham City. He was around before Batman was around, but his sort of uh, vigilanteism was uh, killing people, basically. Uh, his backstory was that his wife was killed and uh, he became a masked vigilante to stop cr criminals killed them instead and so similar backstory to the card except that the characters aren't associated with each other because the card is actually spoilers Ra's al Ghul so it's uh, Ra's al Ghul's backstory see Rachel Dawes for the first time. A character Rachel Dawes in this movie doesn't have a lot to do. Something of a moral compass for Bruce Wayne. Berates him a lot. the end of the movie like she says she loves him um, I didn't get a strong sense that
that racial clause was in love with Bruce Wayne. Seemed to be angry at him a lot. So Bruce Wayne is planning to kill the man who shot and killed his parents as revenge. I'm not sure if I, I like that idea. I don't like Bruce Wayne or Batman with a gun. But like there's a later scene where he, he kind of feels disgusted with himself with, with having a gun and then he, he throws it away. It kind of flashes back to the night his parents were killed and the gun in Joe Chill's hands and then seeing the gun in his hands and then he feels disgusted and he throws it away. I think it's a very important point in the Batman mythos that he doesn't use guns. So yeah, in the very early comics he did use guns a little bit, but um, I think the character that has become established and developed over the decades is one that doesn't use guns is a character that is disgusted with guns. If anyone has ever watched uh, Batman the animated series from the 90s or the Batman Beyond animated series, uh, that point is very strong as well. If, if you have watched the opening episode of Batman Beyond. It's an older Bruce Wayne as Batman and he has a heart attack when he's trying to save someone and uh, he gets his ass kicked by some criminals and the only way he can defend himself is picking up a gun that one of the other criminals have dropped uses that to get himself out of the situation. He doesn't shoot anyone, but he feels disgusted with himself for actually thinking to use a gun. And that's the point where he decides to give up being Batman, which I thought was a very powerful point. That's when he stopped. He 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 was no he was an older man. He was no longer strong enough to defend himself. And he decided if he's pushed to the point where he has to use a weapon that killed his parents, then he's not gonna be Batman anymore. And he's very disgusted with himself with that, I think, for a long time. Uh, in the animated series it's also, I think he was using like a kind of more robot, robotic suit, which put pressure on his heart. And then later he had a heart attack. And that's why he tried to use the gun. And that's why he gave up. Uh, so the animated series really leans into that idea. Uh, 
kind of two main ideas. But behind Batman is he doesn't kill and he doesn't use guns. So yeah, see here he has the gun in his hand. Flashback to George Hill with the gun. He feels disgusted with himself and he throws the gun away into the river. So the, the movie does it very well as well. Uh, I, I just didn't like the idea so much that at the beginning he was going to actually kill someone because uh, it sounds like he's not going back to university and he's not moving back to Wayne Manor so what's going to happen? Doesn't sound like he's planning to travel around the world or is he? Or is he expecting that he's going to go to prison? Batman Begins is probably my most, one of my most favorite superhero movies. My most favorite superhero movie is the 1979, 78, 1978 Christopher Reeve Superman movie. This would be number two. Um, I think the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve has inspired a lot of directors. Christopher Nolan was inspired by it. Sam Raimi has said he's been inspired by the movie also. I, I think it's it's the Citizen Kane of superhero movies. It's it is the blueprint I think for all superhero movies that came afterwards and still is to a large extent and the inspirations that Christopher Nolan took from it um, is the cast casting and in this movie we have a lot of major actors we have Liam Neeson and Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine forgetting his name um, what did I just say I said his name was uh, Jim Gordon actor Gary Oldman oh, I, I blanked out on that Gary Oldman, Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman uh, Rutger Hauer it's like big name actors like not only modern audiences but like um, more seasoned audience viewers would know very well and kind of appreciate to see on screen. Uh, same with like, Christopher Reeve's Superman movie. They had Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando. So they're quite big names. So I think that's a part of the blueprint that Christopher Nolan wanted to copy for Batman Begins. 
he wanted big name actors. He wanted, I guess, the movie to have a, a certain type of quality and depth to the acting and performances. So, like, lots of people know Liam Neeson. Uh, so, he's kind of an actor that many generations of film viewers know. So, I, I, I think, like, Batman Begins is a good movie to watch with your family. I guess another uh, inspiration is that um, the key philosophy is that between Superman and Batman movie, the key point is taking it seriously, the verisimilitude, taking superhero as reality. This is the real world, and this is a Superman in the real world, or this is a, a Batman in the real world. Um, it's a perfect origin story for the character. Batman 89 returns forever and Batman and Robin, the character is already established. We, we only see like parts of his past, and particularly his parents. We don't really see any of his training or how he became so skillful. But Batman Begins is the first movie to do that. So I think it's an excellent origin story not just uh, of all the little things like the Batsuit or the Batmobile, but um, the character himself, how he develops into Batman and how he develops his crime-fighting philosophy and how he grows. Bats is a very strong symbol as the car of the character. From the beginning of the movie, all the way through his childhood, to his training, his fear, uh, in the opera that they went to, they had bats in it, so it's a very, very powerful image. To this character. I guess it's, it's a symbol. It represents his life. Maybe the same you could say with the Superman. He's wrapped in a cloak with the S symbol. as a baby when he goes to earth and that's his life symbol I think uh, yeah everyone has symbol in their lives something that has some 
meaning for them and continues on through their lives. Could be something that you get tattooed onto your body. It could be an abstract thing. Uh, but for Bruce Wayne, it's bats. And yeah, he takes that symbol all the way. Here he's asked to execute someone. But he's completely against the idea. Because execution, he says, it separates the criminals from non-criminals. He should be tried, he says. If he kills him, how does that make him any better? How is that justice? I think it's excellent how they tie in his origin story with the villain's story as well. It's not just a throwaway thing. I, when I watched this movie first time, yeah, you see Raza Ghul is about to be killed, so um, didn't expect him to come back. everything that's happening now uh, in his training in their discussions between right and wrong Gotham should be destroyed or Gotham should be saved this all plays throughout the movie and comes back with a vengeance at the end of the movie Yeah, when I first watched the movie, the title is Batman Begins. So it's quite similar title to like Batman Returns, Batman Forever. So uh, I believe, I, I thought it's a prequel movie. I thought it's a prequel to the 89 movie. And I, I think perhaps some publications advertised it as that, or maybe they had the same idea. I guess you could kind of squeeze it in as something taking place before the 89 movie. Although it's, it's difficult to imagine this being Michael Keaton instead of Christian Bale. Razel Ghoul goes down like a punk. He gets killed very easily by a ceiling falling on him. Uh, Ken Watanabe does appear in all the Christopher Nolan movies, just in case you're sad to see him go in this one. 
yeah, for the time he was in this movie, he was a very good Ra's al Ghul. Um, I'd like to see him show up in some other superhero movies sometime. Monastery is destroyed. Bruce Wayne is saving the life of his enemy, Ducard. At this point, he has no idea how big an enemy he's going to be. So here he, he's saved his life. And later in the movie, he doesn't save his life. I guess he considers it even, Stevens. Uh, I've saved you once already. Well, kind of Descartes tried to kill him twice. Maybe it's, it's fair. Although Batman doesn't kill. I think some people weren't really comfortable with Batman letting Descartes slash Ra's al Ghul die. And I think Michael Caine was very key to this movie. As Alfred, he's playing the butler, but he's also father figure. Bruce Wayne and he's another moral compass he's the person that Bruce Wayne turns to for advice I think um, Anthony Hopkins was offered the role of Alfred but uh, he turned it down thankfully we got Michael Caine who got Adam He's, he's perfect in this movie. Uh, like I said, every Michael Caine movie I enjoy because Michael Caine. Even Jaws, The Revenge, is the best thing about that movie because uh, he has like... He does comedy quite well. And I think naturally, as a person... He has kind of funny stories and uh, he has good timing when he tells stories or one-liners. So in this movie, Batman Begins, he is uh, mainly the providing the funny moments or the funny lines or the comic timing in a quite dark movie about a man who loses his parents and dresses up as a bat to beat up criminals. Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, Irish actor. Yeah, a lot of like British people complain that in American movies, like, usually the bad guy is British. But here, most of the good guys are 
British. Batman is British. Um, but the bad guys are Irish. So Liam Neeson and Killian Murphy are both Irish actors. So, uh, yeah, no one has to complain here. I like that Bruce Wayne is kind of uh, undercover blending in with society as a homeless person to spy on people. In part of um, his training, I think, in the, in the Batman Begins novelization, he, uh, I think he's breaking into people's house, someone's house, for the first time. Um, it's part of his skill to go undetected and to understand thieves better. Here Bruce Wayne is finding the Batcave. Again ties back to the beginning of the movie where as a child he fell into the cave. Well, I, this is in the comics, I guess, too. It was in Batman Forever. He fell to, into a cave as a child, and then he saw the bats. And like in the comics, he's looking for inspiration, and a bat flies into his room. And same here, a bat flies into his room. But the, here it it's not only his inspiration, it, it reminds him of where he first saw the bats and where his fear of bats developed, which changed his life completely forever because if he wasn't afraid of the bats, they wouldn't have left the opera and his parents wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have blamed himself. So again, it's a, it's a massive symbol that um, greatly influences his life. And here bats are surrounding him. He's embracing the darkness. That symbol of fear is kind of becoming one with it. Bats are scary in general. I think back to like Dracula symbol of horror and uh, people always worried about bats getting stuck in your hair rabies yeah. a lot of people don't have good image of bats so uh, hooray for Batman <laughs> changing people's views There's a lot of kind of world building going on in Batman Begins. You know, it's kind of establishing Gotham City and uh, the world that Bruce Wayne lives in. Between the criminals, and gangs, and 
Hermione Falcone. I believe uh, Christian Bale had uh, auditioned for the role of Robin in Batman Forever with Val Kilmer. It would have been strange if he had done that instead of this. I think he's, yeah, he's perfect for this role as Batman. I think as an actor he is very method. A lot of his roles he kind of uh, deep dives. Uh, before this he did uh, Machinist. He had lost a lot of weight. Check out the Machinist as well. Uh, he's very very like super thin and uh, he had lost all that weight to, to play the character and then got the role for Batman Begins and he had to beef up but uh, I don't think it he said it was difficult um, I guess there is a lot of training to do and you have to do a lot of eating I think he was he said he was eating a lot of pizzas and piling on the pounds to get in shape for the role and to have that intimidating physique for Batman but you can see like he's well-trained man uh, if you saw him in American Psycho he has a very excellent physique in that so I don't think he's any stranger to bodybuilding and developing his body for these roles and then breaking his body down is completely different in each of these roles. Physique, acting, accent. So I think yeah, he is the best Batman and Bruce Wayne, in my opinion, of the live-action movies. Even when they went to the fitting, when he tried on the bat suit for the first time, he couldn't really fit into it because um, he had put on too much weight. So he had to kind of slim down again a little bit. But when you consider where he was before that in The Machinist, and he goes from that to this, it, it's very impressive. Probably you can see he's a little less lean in some of the training scenes at the monastery. Uh, but definitely for the next movie, for The Dark Knight, he's, he's a little bit leaner again, a little bit slimmer. I think um, 
Batman is supposed to be about 95 kilograms, like 220 pounds. Uh, height is supposed to be about six foot two. I think Christian Bale is six and a half feet. And for this role, I think he was about 210, 220 pounds. Again, realism, real world. That suit is actually a $300,000 military suit. So again, it's not just a suit suit. It's uh, something used as protection. It has some real world quality to it. If you imagine someone was actually going to do this, to be a vigilante, maybe they would go about it this way. Uh, I read somewhere that um, they said to be Batman it would cost about 4.5 million dollars to have the car and the suit and all these developments in technology or gadgetry or training to be Batman which seems a little bit cheap I mean Batcave how much would that be? But of course, this is the real world kind of Batman. So, if if we go from that, this is a man who can't do it forever. Now he's in, say, I think in this movie, the character is turning thirty. So we say we'll give him five good years and another five okay years. Um, a lot of boxers, sports people kind of retire in early 30s, mid 30s. After mid 30s, they're not at the top of their game anymore. I think the same would go for Batman. And I think realistically, all the damage he would take fighting criminals and everything he puts his body through. He, um, he wouldn't be able to last too long. And I think that is what we kind of see happening in the last movie in The Dark Knight Rises. I like this shot. He jumps from the buildings, doesn't land perfectly, probably breaks a few ribs. You have like a double shot. The kind of railing falls, but it's the same railing falling twice. So it's kind of, uh, it's a stunt. You see this kind of shot in some Hong Kong movies. You 
see a stunt done from one angle and then you see it done from another angle because it's a really good stunt or it's like a very big part of the movie stunt. So like in that scene, he probably broke a few ribs. So if you're doing that every few nights, yeah, you're going to not last long as a vigilante. Maybe you've got a few years to do it. Batmobile for the first time, although it's not really, it's not called Batmobile in this movie, it's it's called a Tumblr. I don't think it's ever referred to as Batmobile in the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, the inspiration behind this was a cross between uh, Lamborghini and uh, Hummer. So it, again, it's a it's a very practical, real world type of Batmobile. Uh, I think in the movie it's described as a black tank. Yeah, uh, it, it takes I think heavy inspiration from um, the Batmobile scene in the comic book, The Dark Knight Returns. It, it's not my favorite design. Um, but it, it is a very, it's the most practical and probably, probably most well thought out design. I think in, uh, in real world terms, um, it doesn't go that fast, but it, it looks quite cool and it does look very intimidating. Uh, it can crush other cars, it can drive over other cars. So it's kind of like a monster truck in that regard. So you kind of don't have to worry about road barriers or other cars getting in your way. Uh, it still has the flames coming out the back, which is very important. adding more pieces to the suits as it progresses as we slowly make our way towards the big reveal um, yeah, Batarang using the same Dark Dark Knight logo although it's different on the bat suit um, guess that maybe had something to do with designing the bat suits. Maybe they had finished making the suit before they had decided on what bat logo to use in the movie. Uh, I, I preferred, yeah, the, the batarang, the, the bat logo that we see on the, the following bat suits. Um, 
the one on this bad suit is a little bit again it, it's kind of uninspired it, it's kind of a little bit similar to the previous Batman logos um, the the actual logo from the, the movie like I said it has a lot of sharp lines it's quite unlike any logo we've seen in the past few decades on the Batman character so it was kind of fresh take and definitely um, stands out as the, the symbol of that tri trilogy you don't you don't confuse it you definitely don't confuse it with other Batman logos you definitely know it's Christopher Nolan when you see that Batman logo Batman about to make his first appearance. I like this. Um, it's kind of like a horror movie. And that's how you want to show the character. You want to be intimidated and scared by it. You're kind of seeing Batman through the eyes of the criminals here. You don't know what's going on. You're confused. You're living in a world where this is the first time you've ever seen anyone dressed up as a bat taking people out. And you're wondering what the hell is going on. And they don't show the character in full profile yet. It is kind of like a horror movie, like monsters chasing you. And then we have some quick cuts, some flash fighting. Again, I think... Um, it's Batman through the eyes of the criminals. Was in the in the intention absolutely? Um, I think some people didn't like this scene um, because you couldn't really see Batman fighting clearly. There's a lot of quick cuts. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more more about that later. But for for this scene, I think it's okay because, um, like I said. It's not showing a fight scene. It's showing how he's taking out all the criminals so quickly and easily. And you, you, you can't tell what's going on. Okay, it says nice quotes. And so it's a little bit of comedy in the movie. Some of the comedy, um, besides Michael Caine, feels a little bit forced. Uh, Sometimes you feel like it was asked to be added in. Um, I'm, I'm not saying it's not funny. Um, sometimes it just feels a little bit out, uh, not, not out of place. It feels like uh, it makes the movie a little bit more standard. 
in a way. Uh, you, sometimes you see in some movies, yeah, they do have some small witty lines or comedic scenes just to lighten up the, the rest of the movie. I think that's what they tried to do here, but I, I feel it works better with less comedy. I mean, it is quite a heavy story, everything that happens in this movie. Um, like in, I think in The Dark Knight, there's definitely fewer jokes. Um, here they, they do stand out as like they're, they're thrown in there for the sake of um, we need to make people smile or have a little bit of a giggle sometimes. And it does work, but it, it does feel like some, yeah, other movies that have done it before. It's, it's a little bit of, yeah, I'd say it's like a little bit of kind of winking to the camera type of comedy in a way. A lot of kind of one-liner type of comedy or words or looks. But I, I didn't say, I, of course, I would laugh, though. Yeah. It, 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 it makes the movie, actually. It makes a movie that's kind of accessible to a, a wider audience. I think, yeah, Gary Oldman, he has a, a bigger role in the, the future movies. And he's a little bit of a smaller role here. But um, I think, yeah, he really stands out in The Dark Knight, in the sequel. Here he's a little bit more background character. And I, I think he just plays it so well. Uh, Michael Caine. So, like I said, when he does comedy, it, it's a lot more natural, and because it's just suited to his his acting and his personality and how he plays the character. Uh, Alfred and Bruce Wayne bounce off each other so well. Alfred is the Watson to Bruce Wayne, it's Sherlock Holmes. Because they, people say Batman is the world's greatest detective, um, which like he is compared to Sherlock Holmes, the world's greatest de de detective. They also call Batman the world's greatest martial artist.
This scene's interesting. So what they're setting up here is that this um what is it, a microwave emitter. So it will vaporize water and turn it into steam or gaseous substance. Um What what happens is they they pour the the drug the chemical compound into the water supply and they are going to use the microwave emitter to release it as a gas to infect everyone. It's kind of similar to Batman eighty nine with the Joker and his chemicals. Um, he puts his like joker venom joker poison into different types of makeup so if the makeup is mixed together maybe lipstick and um i don't know hand soap then it becomes a poison but if they're kind of used separately there's no harm so a little bit similar here they put the drug into the water it, it's no harm but when it becomes gaseous then it's when people get infected it out of all of the movies it's probably like of uh, the dark knight trilogy this plot is probably the least realistic Katie Holmes playing Rachel Dawes and her only time to play Rachel Dawes in these movies. I think her, why did she leave? Um, I think around the, the time or when Batman Begins had its world premiere was the same time that Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes announced their engagement and I think um, this is just from what I was reading in the tabloids and kind of reading online at the time that um, Warner Brothers weren't so happy about that that they saw the engagement announcement the same time as the, the movie premiere as taking the wind out of their sails and they were kind of annoyed by the publicity behind that I don't know if that's true that's just what I read at the time but um, yeah, she wasn't in the next movie Maybe she herself was not happy with the character or uh, maybe where the character might be going in the next movie. Uh, perhaps the makers of Batman Begins weren't happy with, how, with her portrayal in this movie or the on-screen chemistry. I, I think she does. Fine job. In, in, in this movie um, 
Again, her role is quite small. And she's kind of playing the moral compass. It's not like um, the Mary Jane character in Spider-Man. Um, she has less to do. Maybe that, that was a reason for her. Who knows? I'm just saying what I read at the time. I have no idea. I haven't seen her in that many movies since then, actually. But maybe she's happier. Um, and that's what she wanted. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone's happy. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Rachel Dawes in the next movie. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is the sister of Jake Gyllenhaal who I think was up for the role of Bruce Wayne Batman in this movie. And he, I think he was up for the role of Spider-Man in the second Spider-Man movie also, when um, there was some contract negotiations with Tobey Maguire. So finally he, he got his super hero movie as a villain in Spider-Man Far From Home as Mysterio. This movie is the first year of Batman in action, but uh, it's not inspired by the comic so much. Some some scenes are inspired by the comic. Um, the ending is inspired by Batman Year One. Uh, I think like the relationship between Jim Gordon and Batman, uh, how they're going to kind of take down crime and dirty cops and kind of clean up the city um, has some inspirations on this movie. But um, it wasn't the only comic. I think like different comics have inspired. It was the Batman, Blind Justice. They had the the card character, bits of year one. Yeah, here's Christian Bale with Batman voice. Swear to me. See, I don't have any problem with Christian Bale's Batman voice. I I don't know why everyone makes such a big deal of it. I don't know. This is just something that grew out of the internet. He, you know, he's not a voice actor. He's not Kevin Conroy. He can't do two different voices. But he has to disguise his voice. So he does a very gravelly voice in this to disguise his natural voice um i think it's okay i i didn't have any problem with it when i saw it it is very strong um and gravelly i, I heard that um sometimes it, it made him lose his voice i didn't have any trouble understanding him though 
And again, it, real world, you want to disguise your voice. That's how someone would talk. Yeah, I, I don't have a big range in the types of different voices I can do. I'm not going to do like a Scottish accent. <laughs> uh, I'll probably do like something that sounds intimidating. Uh, here we have the the narrows in Batman Begins, and these were inspired by well, they they say the slums in Kowloon. I, I don't know if slums is the right word I want to use, but um, like a lot of apartment buildings, very close together, they're not there anymore. They were torn down, but um, they looked very like this like um, the Narrows in Batman Begins, people living in closed spaces, maybe some areas is a little bit uh, dangerous to be around, maybe not always savory characters living in these places. Scarecrow. I think he was uh, rumored to be a villain in uh, a previous Batman script. Uh, what I what I mean is, like, when they were going to do sequel to Batman and Robin, I think it was going to be called Batman Triumphant, and Scarecrow was rumored as the next villain. Um, it seems to me always like a villain that is rumored to be in the sequel and then the sequel doesn't happen but the, the villain shows up anyway. Kind of happens a lot in, in movies. I like in Spider-Man movies after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy he was going to do a fort movie um, with the vulture and then there was some talk of having the, the lizard as the villain in the fort movie. Um, fort that didn't happen but then like the lizard showed up in the Amazing Spider-Man movie when they rebooted the franchise. Uh, the vulture showed up in Spider-Man Homecoming when they rebooted the franchise again. And Scarecrow was rumored for the fifth Batman movie, which was kind of more in continuity with Batman 89, Returns Forever, Batman and Robin. And so I, I think the character is kind of a holdover for, from that. Maybe it's something the studio wanted. Of course, after Batman and Robin, they didn't really want to continue that type of uh, lighthearted, wacky movie. I think there was rumors of a Batman versus Superman movie. And that never took off also.
then I think they were working on a Batman Year One movie. So even though the like the movie was titled Year One, uh, the script is completely different to the Year One comic. Year One comic is would be like closer to this movie. It, it's like yeah, Bruce Wayne comes back from his travels to clean up Gotham, but um, in the Year One script, it, Batman is kind of a car mechanic. He's working at a garage. Um, Alfred is African American. Um, I think a big, black, large guy. Not white British butler. Um, the character of Bruce Wayne in the Year One script. He's a more of a brute um he he can fight people he doesn't really feel pain you know people criminals might pound on him but he kind of doesn't feel it he enjoys it uh i think i think he wears in that script he puts on like hockey pads at first when he's working as a vigilante and then like progresses to the bat suits i think catwoman is in that in that script and uh harvey dent is in that script as well it's interesting take uh why they didn't make that movie is because it, it was too far removed i guess from the batman mythos or what warner brothers wanted to do um but uh, like at, at the end of the year one script, um, Bruce Wayne kind of um, reclaims his title and his inheritance. And then he moves into the big mansion with Alfred and uh, yeah, starts to become Batman. And some people were complaining that like in the script, he, he doesn't wear Batman suit. He, he does wear Batman suit in the script. And you, you can find like concept art for that online as well. It's a very um, kind of rugged type of Batman movie. Um, it's Batman without money type of Batman movie, the year one script. Um, this interesting read, I think it was written by Frank Miller, the Batman year one script, but um, I think it's incomparable to the year one comic. But uh, supposedly Christian Bale was in was considered for the role of Batman in, in that script. Um, Darren Afronowski was uh, in talks to direct. I know the Wachowskis were in talks to direct the Batman movie. They did a treatment for that. Uh, that can be read online. The Batman New One script can be read online too. Another interesting take. Uh, way before that, I think in early 80s, 
Um, I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. Tom Markowitz. Uh, Tom Markowitz rewrote the script for Superman, Christopher Reeve movie. Uh, because, um, yeah, Rick, Rick Donner brought him in to work on the script. The script was written by Mario Puzo. Um, he wrote Godfather. But um, yeah, Rick Donner didn't like the script. And um, Tom McWitz read it. And he didn't like it either. So they completely reworked that script. Uh, and yeah, they turned it into the greatest superhero movie of all time and uh, so then like a few years later Tom McWitz was brought in to write a script uh, it, it's kind of going from Batman's early days his origin I think this is even before like year one comic book came out uh, was considered too dark by the studios. I think they wanted something more lighthearted, more like the 60s animated, uh, not animated, the 60s Adam, Adam West show. And then of course, a few years after that, they brought in Tim Burton and he gave us a very, very dark Batman. I remember like when I watched Batman 89 it's just so different my like my only knowledge before then was the, the Adam West series I'd, I'd watch that maybe every week I think it's like every Saturday or Saturday morning they showed it or they showed it during holidays uh, where I grew up we didn't have comics like Batman on the shelves every week. Um, Batman comic might be like a summer special. You wouldn't have like a, a weekly Batman comic. So my my knowledge was very limited and it was very much based on Adam West. So it's completely uh, not shocked, but it's just like, wow, this is Batman. <laughs> It's a very different feeling compared compared to the Adam West series. When yeah, when you you went from Adam West to eighty nine, it's a very uh, dark turn. But I I enjoyed it anyway, and I remember Batman eighty nine was probably the biggest movie in the world at that time. Logo was everywhere. Everyone was kind of wearing Batman t-shirts. It was, it was such a big movie. There's so much hype surrounding it. And like all you had was the logo. The poster was the logo. And you didn't really see the Batsuits. I think you saw some pictures of the Batmobile and Batsuit later. That like sticker books, things like that. So yeah, I've seen all Batman movies at the cinema, 
besides the Adam West movie, but everything from 89 up until Batman v Superman or Justice League I've seen in the cinema. But I think the best cinematic experience was I say all of them. I, I, no, I was so excited to watch a Batman movie every time. Um, I don't want to detract from any of them. I think it's always great to go to the cinema to watch Batman. But interestingly, I, even before like Michael. Keaton came as Batman. I think they were in talks to have Bill Murray as Bruce Wayne Batman, which would be really interesting take. I think like even bigger shock to comic book fans than Michael Keaton. Uh, so yeah, after the year one script uh, didn't get made, they uh, approached Christopher Nolan to do his version of Batman. And like what Nolan had released up until then, I think Memento and Insomnia, just like fantastic movies beautifully shot really well acted i think he was perfect choice and when i heard he was directing batman movie i was very excited and i think many people were who were a fan of these movies or they felt the franchise was in good hands and that he, he would be giving us something very different and probably something more grounded than anything we've seen before. Batman using bats as a weapon here. I don't know, is, is that something that's used in the comics much? No, in Batman Returns, he kind of uses bats as a weapon. Oh, does he use it in um, Batman Forever too? Doesn't he use bats as like protection or fighting? like a good distraction you can't shoot you can't move you can't look yeah bats are a good, good weapon Going back to the comics for a second. So I had mentioned like um, 
year one blind justice was partly inspiration um kind of doing some research online after watching the movie it sounded like um batman dark victory had some inspiration on this i haven't read dark victory so i i, I can't say anything more but um david goyer who uh, worked on the scripts had mentioned that was one of his inspirations uh, i think parts of the dark knight returns uh, inspired this as well um long halloween and um i think batman no man's land which is there's kind of a large earthquake and they have to seal off the city which kind of inspires parts of this movie uh, with the the narrows being sealed off and then in the dark knight rises where the kind of bridges are blown and the city is sealed off Um, I think there's a comic called Batman, uh, The Man Who Falls, which is kind of a retelling of important moments in the life of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Inspired this movie too. Here's a um, Batmobile chase. Uh, we always need Batmobile, Batmobile chase in these movies. I mean, every movie has a Batmobile chase. It's it's just like a necessary part of Batman. You have to have the Batmobile chasing or being chased by someone. Um, he's about to jump over buildings. So you can see the original function for the tumbler. That's great. So what really makes it is also the music. Um, Hans Zimmerman, his, his score for this movie is... It's not... It's not like a really easy, identifiable score. It's not one that you like suddenly start humming to yourself like the 89 score. But um, the kind of prevalent score of the Dark Knight trilogy is at this moment with the kind of Batmobile chase. This is when the you hear parts of the score slowly throughout the movie and then it kind of comes into full force during this Batmobile chase. I think I, I love this scene. I, I get goosebumps when I watch it between the music and just the, the car chase and the way the Batmobile is crushing cars. And then Rachel is getting sicker and he's worried about losing her.
and always the police getting in Batman's way. You don't see bad guys chasing Batman so much. It's always the police chasing him, giving him muscle. Don't let him do his job. And like it's always the most exciting part about each Batman movie is the Batmobile chase. It's like just the part you're waiting for. It's like you sit up in your chair. Oh, here's the Batmobile chase. And what's the Batmobile going to do? Is it, go is it going to drive up a wall? Is it going to turn into a missile and fly between narrow walls? It's so cool. And just drives through walls like your paper. <laughs> drives through everything. And just all comes together. The music and as he launches the, the tumbler into the bat cave and Rachel's about to pass out. It's it's perfect. Perfect scene. Oh, I hadn't said much about the bat cave. Um Again, realism. Uh, he uses a real bat cave. I, I don't know if it, I don't think it's a real cave. It's it's a set, but um, looks like a real cave. Um, I was hoping a little bit more development. Or we see a little bit more of the bat cave in the future movies. We don't really see it in the Dark Knight. Uh, we see a little bit of it in Dark Knight Rises, but not too much was done with it. Uh, here it's it's very uh, minimalist. It's the cave. He's, he's got a table. Uh, he's got his car. Maybe uh, he's got a few computers there somewhere, and then he's got the elevator going down from his house into it. I, f I feel there was something similar in the Batman Year One script. Um, it was like something down underground, maybe underground, under from his garage. And the Batmobile is on a railway. And it goes through the sewer or something like that. I love the scene. Alfred's berating him. Said it's not about thrill seeking. What do you call that? Damn good television. <laughs> it's it's great. It's 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 a, it's a genuine funny moment. And again, Michael Caine is like, he's not trying to be funny, but it's just like um, it, it comes together perfectly as the scene.
again, Alfred is being his, his moral compass, you know, he tells him it's not about being revenge or about it being personal, or else so then you just become a vigilante. And telling him to protect the family name, he has to worry about the Wayne name also. Um, I mean, as a vigilante movie, it it's it's the best vigilante movie. I mean, you you could take out the Batman and just say whatever, call it something else. You, you don't have to call it Batman. You can call it something else and just have a movie about a, a rich man deciding to be a vigilante. Same in the, the Joker movie with Viking Phoenix. You don't have to call that Joker. You know, just call it something else. I mean, okay, here, here, this movie, Batman Begins, is more of a Batman movie, but... Um, it does explore the themes of vigilanteism quite strongly and um, how one would go about it if they're very serious about doing it and not getting caught. Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman does a great job. Again, he's uh, playing it as only Morgan Freeman can play it. Batman is kind of lucky to have these characters around him. And uh, most of them have connections to his family. So Lucius Fox said he... He knew his father and helped his father build the railroad. He's also something of a moral compass for Bruce Wayne as well. And um, he's kind of Q. James Bond has Q. And Batman has Lucius Fox. I'd love to see Christopher Nolan make a James Bond movie. Here's the Ra's al Ghul reveal, or Raish al Ghul, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, so I was surprised by this. I was caught off guard. <clears throat> the reveal that Ken Watanabe was not Ra's al Ghul, but Liam Neeson was Ra's al Ghul. They hadn't done this in a movie before. Now it's a very common trope. Um... I can't remember other movies doing this before 2005. But then afterwards, you see it done in every single movie. It became too much. Like um, Iron Man 3 with the Mandarin. Um, uh, even The Dark Knight Rises, they did it with the daughter of Ra's al Ghul and that reveal. And they did it with James Bond, Blofeld, and Spectre, and like you, you know, oh, they did it in Star Trek, 
into darkness with calm. Now you, the audience is kind of smart enough to guess that a big name actor is not playing unknown name villain, but probably big name villain that everyone wants to see. So it doesn't it doesn't work as a as a reveal. Um, maybe in Iron Man Three it works a little bit because it, I don't know. Oh, okay, um, but maybe like mainly my problem is that it it's done too much. It's not an original idea anymore, and you're you're kind of expecting it. But here in Batman Begins, it, it happens for the first time. I don't know another movie before that pulling off such a feat. So I, yeah, here was a big surprise. And it was so well done. It's a great idea. And of course, great ideas are always used again and again and again. Everything is kind of coming together at the end. The man that Bruce Wayne saved comes back to to kill him basically they're continuing their moral argument at this time Ra's al Ghul has the upper hand and um, he's not going to show Bruce Wayne any mercy and uh, it kind of ties in again to what happened to Bruce Wayne's parents because um, Ra's al Ghul is saying that they want to kind of create an economic disaster in Gotham, which would lead to lead to poverty and crimes, and that leading to Bruce Wayne's parents being killed. Um, but the death of Bruce Wayne's parents kind of galvanized people into taking a different path and it kind of uh, the city has limped on until this moment where the son of Gotham returns to save it but Ra's al Ghul's philosophy is very dark and merciless yeah like cold or hurt type of philosophy Certain people should uh, survive according to his views, including himself. And these kind of shadow organizations, uh, I'm sure some exist around the world. I'm not saying as big as the League of Shadows, uh, but I'm sure there's 
some smaller vigil. I don't know. I have no proof, but I'm I'm sure there's groups of people around the world who uh, want to change things or work as vigilantes, bring justice, or kind of taking out people who they believe are criminals. Um, I'm not saying they're well-funded groups or uh, that they pose a big threat to the world, but maybe in particularly, not in modern times, but in uh, years gone by, more shadow organizations or um, martial art groups um, that deal out justice. Uh, with the Ra's al Ghul, okay, now that we've, we've gotten to Ra's al Ghul, um, in the novelization, there is a, it, it's written by Dennis O'Neill, who also um, wrote some very famous Batman stories, and he wrote Birth of the Demon comic, uh, which is kind of like the life story of Ra's al Ghul. Um, he uses a lot of that as backstory for Ra's al Ghul in the Batman Begins novelization. Yeah, what's the point of doing all those push-ups if you can't even lift a log? See, another great line. So only that kind of line Michael Caine could say. It's only something you believe would come out of his mouth. That's why he's just so perfect in this movie. It seems like when in Jaws and you think the shark has got him and then he he survives. And like only Michael Caine could survive an attack by Jaws and make a joke about it afterwards. You know, I, I again I any Michael Caine movie, any movie with Michael Caine in it is must watch for me. Okay, well we're talking about Ra's al Ghul. So Ra's al Ghul, so in the novelization, Ra's al Ghul is a little bit more mystical. Uh, they they go into the backstory, which is shown in the comic, Birth of the Demon. Uh, in Birth of the Demon, you, you see his backstory. His, his wife is killed and... He comes back for revenge, and Batman is kind of part of that story later on. But you know they have the the Lazarus Pit, which kind of rejuvenates Raz and brings him back to life. Here in the movie, it's more about the name. So it's it's not so much about the man, but the the legacy and uh, the legacy of this organization, the League of Shadows. I think they're League of Assassins in the comics or animation. Uh, so in the back, yeah, back to novelization. So when Dennis O'Neill wrote it, so he, yeah, he adds a lot of 
Razalgo's backstory to the novelization. He writes it as uh, like a diary. So in the book, Bruce Wayne finds like the diary of Ra's al Ghul and he discovers all this kind of backstory and legend behind Ra's al Ghul, which is, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I'm kind of glad it's not in the movie. It, it doesn't really match the real world aesthetic. Uh, it works well in the novelization because it it's written just as a kind of diary, but as a like um, something that's just building up the 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 legend surrounding the organization or how Ra's al Ghul maybe sees himself, but in, in reality he's not actually that powerful. But it's just how he sees himself in his mind, who he thinks he is. And maybe there's a little bit of, we don't really know, is it is it the truth or not the truth? But uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting story within his story. Here we're kind of getting into the last moments, the last act of the movie. Kind of the big action scene, the big final confrontation. It's a two hour, 20 minute movie, but it doesn't feel that long um, I mean there's a lot going on in it you have the kind of origin of Batman and Bruce Wayne from childhood to adult uh, it's not like it's, it's, it's an hour until we actually see Batman which I don't think is that unusual I, I think um, it's a blueprint for many comic book movies I'm not 100% sure. I think original Superman movie was the same. Uh, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie was the same. I think um, Iron Man also, when he, when he goes to that village in the, in the Iron Man suit and he's fighting the fighter jets. I think that's like an hour, one hour into the movie, so it's not that uncommon uh, for a superhero origin movie for the superhero to kind of show up an hour into the movie, um, which I think is a good way to set up the character, his background. I know I like a lot of people kind of get tired of seeing the retelling of um, some origin stories in particular like um, Spider-Man, Uncle Ben and Bruce Wayne and his parents and like even I know for many people it's it's like that 
but sometimes you you talk to people and they they have no idea about the motivation or the origin behind the character it's like um why why did bruce wayne become batman they don't know like where where does superman come from why is superman superman why is clark kent superman they don't know the origin story so i'm i'm 50 50. i agree we don't always need to retell the origin story but if you're coming into this fresh um there are people who don't know for some people that's their first batman movie it's the first time watching a comic book movie maybe um i know a lot of us just grew up with this but uh not for everyone i don't know if i knew it like um when i watched the 89 movie maybe that's the first time i knew about batman and his parents bruce wayne losing his parents Yeah, here's Batman revealing who he is indirectly. I don't know, did it happen a little bit too early to tell who he was that quickly? In the first movie, you couldn't wait until the second movie to reveal who you were. Or you, you couldn't let it go that the woman you love thinks you're an asshole. So you have to say, no, I, I'm, I'm actually a Batman nice guy um, yeah so like I said origin story yeah I'm 50 50 um, some people know the origin story some people don't but what I would say if you want to know origin story like I, I would recommend okay you're if you're watching your spider-man movie for the first time watch Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie uh, with Tobey Maguire. Watch Batman Begins. Watch Superman 1978, 78, 79. Uh, Chris, watch the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Those are the best origin stories of those characters. Um, if, if you want to know the origin story, instead of retelling it in the in another rebooted movie universe, uh, just watch the movie that, that told the origin story best. Uh, I think, yeah, Begins and Superman, the original Superman movies both tell the origin story of the characters so well. Sam Raimi Spider-Man, I really like. Uh, I probably I enjoy Spider-Man two more. That I would place that higher. But as an origin story, um, the actors they had in that movie, um, the way it's it's set up, I I think it's it's a good introduction to Spider-Man compared to Amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man Homecoming.
Spy, um, well, not Spider-Man. I'm getting confused. Batman <laughs> crashing through bridges, uh, attached to the train. Jim Gordon driving the Batmobile. It's all coming together. Um, I, oh, I'm forgetting his name again. Why am I forgetting the name? Jim Gordon. Gary Oldman. Why do I keep forgetting Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman, yeah. He's playing a little bit more comedy in this movie as Jim Gordon here. Uh, so I like him a lot more in, in The Dark Knight. Here's the final fight scene between Roz and Batman. People complaining like about uh, Christopher Nolan, how he films the fight scenes. They don't like the action in it. Um, maybe too many cuts. I uh, like even the, I think, fight choreographer wanted to show more of Batman's fighting style. Well, here you're on a train, so it, it's difficult to have like a, a wide lens, or like a wide view on it. But there are many cuts to this fight scene. If you look at like um, like martial art movies, like especially like kind of Jackie Chan kung fu movies, you see like there's not so many cuts. They're showing more like the the fighting, so you have a real good perspective of the style and fight and the action. Um, here you feel the cuts are kind of used to increase the fighting style action to make it more hyper yeah just just a few seconds ago yeah jim gordon is trying to blow up this bridge um the train track and the guy like came over and said oh it's a nice car and then when he starts shooting missiles out of it like he walks away and it's like uh, there's a little bit kind of one of those comedy moments again is like what, what's that scene for <laughs> uh, some people have a problem with this scene that um batman is going to let ra's al ghul die he saved him once He's not going to save him again. It's a, yeah, save yourself. Um, maybe he's too dangerous to let live. It's not intentional kill. It's so, hmm. what do you think? I think he gets away with the no killing rule. Uh, in the okay, so here, like Razagul, clearly he doesn't survive. Although, like in the first movie, you're not sure because it's Razagul. He can come back from the dead if he has the Lazarus Pit. And in the 
novelization uh, at the end of the, the book, like they don't find his body. So there's, yeah, something's left open. And then like when, when you heard that Liam Neeson had filmed um, some parts and had come back as Ra's al Ghul for The Dark Knight Rises, then yeah, oh, he's, he's come back again. He's alive. Uh, I would maybe I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think maybe Ra's al Ghul might be skillful enough to have escaped. Uh, I'm not saying using Lazarus Pit. Maybe he, he jumped out at the last second. Um, I didn't really think there's much point of having him as a kind of like a ghost talking to Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, it's like, yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn uh, coming back as a forced ghost. Um, I Interesting, I don't know if it's necessary. It would have been more shocking to see him come back as a, as a, a, a living person. And he was like really alive. And like he was behind everything in the third movie also. That would be uh, a real shocker. So we're in the burnt runes of um, Bruce Wayne's mansion. Rachel Dawes coming back. Kind of like, you know, End of Spider-Man is the last scene. Even though, like, um, Mary Jane doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. She has, like, a feeling or a sense or she's in love with Peter Parker. But... um, they can't have a relationship. Here it's kind of opposite. Bruce Wayne wants the relationship, but what Rachel Dawes says to him is that your mask is your face and Batman is your real identity, which is a very big part of the Batman character. Batman is who he is. Bruce Wayne is just an act. It's not really him not anymore uh, I love that they put that into this movie yeah, so I love the little things like that this you know Bruce Wayne is the mask or um, throwing the gun away um, not killing anyone yeah they they have the basics of Batman down very strongly and they have the very important philosophy philosophy uh, the very important points uh, of who he is down strongly and uh, they they build the movie around that um i i read back at the time i read that this this scene was refilmed or they had two versions and uh, they showed to test audiences one is that um rachel dawes cannot be with him, which is the one that we see. Another version is one that she decides to actually be with Bruce and have a relationship with him. But um, I think test audiences didn't like that or they preferred 
the version where they don't get together at the end, which I think kind of works well for this movie because it's only the first of a probable trilogy of movies. Again, yeah, flashback to his family and his father. It's very touching. Um, I love how it, it really ties into his family. Uh, such a large part of his motivation now. So yeah, I think he doesn't need to get the girl in the first movie because um, he's got two other movies to go. Although he doesn't really get the girl in the second movie either but uh, maybe we'll talk about it again that some other time bat signal for the first time using the batman logo which maybe he found jim gordon found batarang and he decided to make a large version of that uh, i love this final scene um, I love what it sets up for the sequel. Um, it makes you very excited for where this uh, trilogy or where the next movie is going. Um, kind of similar to the end of the Batman Year One comic. Um, yeah, in the final pages, they, they mention some bank robber that calls himself the Joker. And here we're talking about escalation. Um, now that they have someone like Batman running around in a costume, they've got this other guy who has a, a taste for the theatrical also. Hands him the Joker card, Batman says, I look into it. I love this line. I never thanked you. And you'll never have to. That's Batman. See, he's not doing it for thanks. Nothing about thanks. And then the title. I like that the title comes up at the end, not the beginning of the movie. Perfect. Perfect superhero origin. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it, second favorite superhero movie after Christopher Reeve's Superman movie. Um, I think Spider-Man 2, X-Men 2, I really love as well. I mean, I, you even take like, those, those two movies, like X-Men 2, uh, X-Men and Spider-Man movies were in the years before Batman Begins. But um, they're already taking a, a more realistic approach. And I think that kind of um, paves the way for a movie like Batman Begins to come along. It's so far removed from Batman and Robin. Uh, sequel to set up The Dark Knight. And the Dark Knight Rises. I wonder if they wanted to not call this movie Batman Begins. They wanted to call it the Dark Knight something something. 
Um, but probably like the studio said, no, it has to be Batman something. They want the Batman name. But I think they gave uh, Christopher Nolan a lot of freedom in the second movie to, to do more what he wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, like this movie, he wanted to make his Blade Runner movie. And then um, The Dark Knight. It's more um, Christopher Nolan's Heat, his version of Heat. Uh, I guess The Dark Knight Rises is like his version of um, Dr. Zhivago. Or a tale of two cities. Uh -huh. Great cast. Great, great cast. Um, it sets a precedent. I think um, any Batman movies that come after this trilogy have a lot to live up to. Um, I think it's very easy to suffer with style over substance. And uh, I think, like, because it's a comic book hero and a lot of um, aspects of the comics aren't based on reality, uh, it's easy to fall into less re realistic realms. But as a Batman, it just feels the most comfortable in this situation, in, in this kind of world where he is just a man that can only do this for a certain number of years. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest appeal of these movies. Um, if you had done The Lazarus Pit, or if you had him um, fighting aliens from another planet, um, it's less interesting in a way because so many other superhero movies are doing that already. And uh, I think why people love Batman so much, and like why I like him is just, he's, he's just a man. And like anyone can be Batman in, in a good way and bad way. Anyone can help someone. Like Batman says to Jim Gordon, you know, throwing the coat over a boy and telling him it would be okay when his world is falling apart. That can be a hero. But also in a bad way, like, you can have a bad experience in your life and it's going to change you forever. And either you let that change you for the positive or you let it change you for the negative and that's kind of the story of batman begins he uh had that conflict and um eventually it, it changes him uh for the positive in the world of gotham city and for the people around him um if you, if you take it the other way, then you have the Joker. Um, which is the next movie, the sequel. They only did three movies of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. 
um, I think at the time in after this was it 2006 I think they had um, Superman Returns which is um, kind of um, soft reboot slash sequel to the first two Christopher Reeve Superman movies I read some interviews either was with Brandon Root or Christian Bale that after they had completed their 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 own trilogies as each character then it would be like it's their superman versus batman movie i don't know if if that was said in jest or they were really serious about that um kind of glad they they didn't go that way uh, i'm glad they kind of kept batman in in this world I think three movies is was a good number. They they could have done four or five, but um, three is always like a magic number for these movies. Everyone wants it. Everyone wanted a trilogy. It's um, it's a nice round number, uh, because it takes so long to make those movies, and again you're playing a character that is supposed to be realistic that cannot be a vigilante forever cannot take that much punishment forever although maybe you could do something set in the Batman Begins universe maybe like the way they ended it at the Dark Knight Rises. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing a Joseph Gordon Levitt movie, and it, it really kind of um, works in in regards to the context that like Batman is a symbol. As a man, he can be broken, but as a symbol, he can't be destroyed. So it, it's not more. It's not as much about the symbol as it is about the man not not as much about the man as it is it's about the symbol and yeah like it kind of like i said in a way anyone can be a batman not really unless you have 4.6 million dollars on hand um haven't seen any kind of movie like this really since um Marvel is far away from it. Um, I think the closest thing they had to this maybe was the Marvel Daredevil series. Even though he has a little bit of superpower, super sense and hearing and like healing. Um, I think that's the closest you can get, the darkest you can get to the Batman Begins world. But um, it's hard to match a movie like this, Batman Begins. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, if I get to 100 viewers, I'll do another one. But um, so far, I only have three listeners. Take care.